Today's show centers on a woman in a domestic abuse situation. If you or someone you love is a victim of domestic abuse, there is help. Please call the National Domestic Abuse Hotline at 800-799-7233. This line is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week with interpretive services for more than 200 languages. There is help and there is hope. everyone. Welcome to the clubhouse. I'm Beth. And I'm Kirsten. And this is the Made for TV Movie Club podcast. We, Beth, want to welcome our new listeners in Santiago, Chile. Oh, Hola. And Arlington, Texas. Hello, Texas. Yay. Yeah, how exciting. So we are recording this virtually for the first time. We're not together because no, Jason, we're not. Jason's home recording. Yes, you are home recording. Jason's yeah. recovering from your hip yes. surgery and doing well. I am. Walked the dog already today. I've been walking around since I came home from the hospital. So it's a whole new world, Beth, with a new I hip. I love it. I'm so happy for you. whole new hip. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There so, you go. There's some singing. Yeah, we decided we kind of were not going to make it make it sort of a fun atmosphere as normal just because this is a pretty serious movie yep, it was a pretty affecting movie. movie and i think i'll say that before we even really get started i'm going to say that this is the best tv movie we've seen so far yep and i'm going to say down. this probably is one of the best tv movies i've ever seen agreed it was it's phenomenal so yep. for, the, for this episode we're going to review the burning bed starring farrah fawcett so Back in the 80s case, remember the television events? I do. This is one of them. And I think that there's two reasons why this was a big television event. One is because the story of Francine Hughes really brought battered women's syndrome to the forefront. Yes. Really hadn't been really talked about. Not even really acknowledged. I No, the idea was that if you were married to someone and you were being abused, that that was just between two married couples. Yep. Until yep. Francine Hughes came along. Yep. The, the other reason I think is because Farrah Fawcett was on Charlie's Angels and she was basically considered by the sexist males, including my father, just, you know, a little blonde bimbo. She can't act. Why would she leave Charlie's Angels to go make movies? She's yep. not a ser- There's this idea that if you're beautiful, you can't be a serious actress. And you know what Farrah Fawcett did? She said, hold my beer, bitches. Yeah, uh, she did. Woman tur- she t- showed everybody they were wrong. She sure did. And she I love did. that. I love that. I love Farrah Fawcett. I think now I'm kind of obsessed with her. And I feel like I almost kind of feel like she might be up there with Dolly Parton in my eyes right now. Well, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I do not disagree. Absolutely do not disagree. Right on. So the movie, was, which was a television event, aired originally on October 8, 1984 on NBC. The movie was nominated for eight Primetime Emmy Awards and two Golden Globes, for which Paul Lamatt won. He was the one who played Mickey. Up to that time, this was the 17th highest rated TV movie of all time and NBC's highest rated movie ever. I kind of tried to see what how it stacked up today, but with Netflix and with 
people like millions and zillions of people watching, it's really hard to judge based on sheer numbers. It's hard you know? to compare. Yeah, I think it, it's too hard to compare, especially when you say when so the movies that are being made for Netflix and Hulu technically today are TV movies. And if you get somebody like, I don't know, famous movie star stars in it, then of course it's going to be a show that millions and zillions of people watch. So it's just hard to judge. We can't really judge a TV movie from 1984 to a TV movie today. But sure. at the time, it was a big, big deal. Yes. Sarah Fawcett, she's probably best known for her role as Jill, Jill Monroe on Charlie's Angels. We watched it. You watched it, right? Oh, for sure. Loved it. We had to sneak watch it because my mom and dad didn't allow us to watch it. But then they gave us a TV in our room. So we watched it. Charlie's well, we, Angels, Maud, all Maude. of those. Yeah, you and your Maud. Well, now, see, in, in my house, we did watch Charlie's Angels, which is interesting because my father was like, she can't be a serious actress, but he had no problem watching her every freaking week on Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Crazy yeah, yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah. So she was only on it for one season. She's probably best known for this movie. And then Small Sacrifices was a really big movie event. We may do that eventually. That was a mini series and I'm still getting over Betty Broderick. So it'll be a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Betty, I still hate Betty. <laughs> Paul Lamott is our Murder, She Wrote connection, Kate. Yay! Started in one episode, 1988. And he's probably best known for his role as John in American Graffiti. I yes. spent the whole movie watching it the first time going how do I know this guy how do I know this guy and then when I saw that I was like oh, oh. Yes. so he did win a gold globe for American Graffiti and his role as Mickey Hughes at the all right so here we go time to start talking about the movie Beth the movie opens with a flashback and a voiceover Francine tells us it is March 9th, 1977. We're in Dansville, Michigan. She tells her three kids to wait in the car. As the kids wait in the car, Francine comes out and gets into the driver's seat. The camera pulls back and we see a fire inside the windows on the second story of the house, followed by an explosion and Francine slowly drives off. It's, it's intense. It's a very intense. The fire department comes and Mickey Hughes's brother and parents come over to find out what is happening as the house becomes engulfed in flames. Jailed, Francine is processed and meets with her lawyer. He explains he was a prosecutor and needs her to help with the defense. She only tells him that she loved Mickey. All right. So now flashback to 1963 and Francine notices Mickey Hughes at a dance. They are high schoolers. Yeah. Oh, and you know what I should say? I don't mean to interrupt, but the flashbacks in this one were not as confusing as. No. And you would think they would be because it, it was constant flashbacks. And we've had movies where it's just been terribly difficult trying to figure out what scene, where we are, what's happening. This one was very clear all the way around. I agree. I yeah. absolutely agree. So Francine and Mickey flirt and they dance and then he asks her out for the next weekend so on the date they make out in his car and she tells him that she won't have sex until she's married so later francine is talking with her friend gabby about breaking up with mickey because he's pressuring her to get married and she wants to finish high school oh i wish she had i know how that even is a thing is crazy all right now, later, we've got Mickey and Francine making out in his car. And in the next scene, Francine tells her friend that she and Mickey did it. 
mm-hmm. and that she's going to get married. Even back in our day, that's what we called it. Doing it. Doing it. Doing so, it. Did you Mickey do it? And- we did it. What'd you do? I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey and Francine go ring shopping with his mom who pays for the ring and they move into his parents' house and Mickey's dad tells him, get a job. Get a job. All boy. right. So in a voiceover, Francine explains that we find out that it's a year later and Mickey still hasn't found full-time work and they still live with his parents. Francine is sitting with Mickey's mom and she's doing her hair and curlers and she's got this cute little outfit on. She looks so cute. She does. Francine shows Mickey, he comes home, he still doesn't have a job and she shows him her outfit and he tells her to get him a beer. She refuses He demands that she stop sassing him in front of his parents. And then he tries to rip her clothes off because he says she looks too sexy and he can't stand that anyone else would look at her. So she apologizes for looking too sexy and see. Oh, that's that's the hard part about this movie is, again, we saw that with another movie. I can't remember. Oh, it was the Cloris Leachman one. Again, a 70s movie where she's apologizing for her behavior, but she's done nothing wrong. Yep. Yep. That's very hard to watch. Yep. So Francine, now we're back to Francine in jail. She's meeting with her lawyer and he gives her a letter that was written by another abused wife who left her husband after hearing about Francine's story. So we find out this is, they don't really make a big deal about the fact that Francine Hughes at the time before this book, before this movie was, became very well known for having killed her husband. Absolutely. Killing him and then for why. And so women, because of this whole thing, women were like, wait a minute, I can leave. Yeah. Like she empowered a a whole bunch of women. And I don't think that was her intention. And I don't think that she ever would have dreamed that she would have done that. And I think that's pretty amazing. And I don't think it ever like, you know, like, well, we'll find out later what happens to her. So we probably should just keep going with the story. All right. So now we've got a voiceover and we find out we're back in 1964. And Francine said that things were good whenever Mickey was working and he would buy her things. In the next scene, we've got Mickey once again beating on Francine. She runs off and then she moves in with her mom and her face is bruised. It's so sad. The makeup in this movie is phenomenal, too. I think that helps a lot. I think that helped because what you see and what you hear is just, it's brutal. It's, yep. it's very difficult to watch. Even 30, 40 years later, are we 40 years later? Almost 40 years later. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we are actually, I did the math actually. I think it was 35 years next week that she killed him. No, 84, tell me, it was March 40. 8th. 84, she killed him? No, she killed him in- 77. Yeah. So that's um, 42. Okay. So you're the math major. 45. I'm sorry. 45. We're we're almost at the 45th anniversary of this happening. Yep. Yep. Okay. So in the next scene, he abused her. She moves in with her mom. Her mom tells Francine that mostly men don't mean to hurt women. They don't mean it, the abuse, and that she made a hard bed, but she has to lay in it. And the mom tells Francine that it's her duty to stand by her man. So now 
Francine gives birth to her first child, a daughter named Christy. And when Christy is six months old, Mickey and Francine finally move into their own place, which is a trailer park. Trailer. Yeah. And it's, is it right next door to her, his parents? It's, I can't quite figure out all of that. Yeah, that's not super clear. Yeah, because it looks like they're in a different house very soon after this. So, all right, there's a party at their house. And Mickey says to Francine, hey, come on in and we're ready to eat. And so she's coming in, getting things ready to eat. And he notices that she has a manicure. And he says, where'd you get that? And she says, well, I went into town. And right in front of everybody, he I think he actually punches her. I watched it this morning and I'm like, oh, my God, he fucking punched her punches her in front of everybody and tells her, I told you not to go into town without me. And everybody just stands around. Nobody does anything. Nope. They just stare. So Francine goes into the house. Her friend Gabby follows her. And as Francine is like cleaning up, you know, the blood on her face, she tells Gabby, her friend that Mickey's just stressed because he lost a job again. Uh, he later comes in and apologizes and tells her he doesn't deserve her. So here we go. Next scene. You didn't deserve her, Mickey. Yep. In the next scene, there are now two children and Mickey is playing with them and everyone is happy. And then we notice it's later in the day and he's abusing her again. We hear it from the outside, wherever they were living. And this is when I think that they were, this is where I was like, oh, now they're not in that trailer home. They're in another home. Yeah, they move around a lot. They move a lot. Yeah, because he's unemployed. He's got a job, so they probably always getting kicked out. Yep. So now we've got Mickey sitting on a chair drinking. So we hear this abuse, and we cut to Mickey. He's all sweaty, sitting in a chair drinking a beer. He calls Francine into the room. She refuses, and he says, I want to apologize. So then she comes in. She's crying. Yeah, he tells her to stop crying. We see that her face is all bloodied, and he apologizes. So now, Cut to the next day, it seems like. We've got very very soon after. Very soon after in the welfare office. And the man working there tells her that the head of the household must be the one to apply for welfare. But if she's separated from her husband, then she can get, she can be the one to apply. Otherwise, he has to be the one to apply. So she's just kind of navigating this bureaucracy and the hoop jumping that's necessary for her to get the support that she needs. Her son pulls the sunglasses off of her face and the man sees that she has black eyes or at least a black eye. And Francine then tells the man that Mickey said he'd kill her if she left. So the man says, well, the court will protect you. And there's a $7 fee for her to pay to file the divorce papers. He gives her the papers. He takes $7 out of his pocket. He pays it. He tells her there will be a court date in six months and then they'll be divorced. So there we go. Let's take a break now, Beth, though, and let's listen to what he has to say. I can't pay you back. You'll want to read this very carefully. And in six months, you'll go to court for the final decree. The divorce paper? Yeah. You can be divorced just like that? Just like that. After leaving Mickey, Gabby drives Francine and the kids to a, a new place, a new home. 
And now we find out it's the winter of 1970 and Gabby comes over. Francine kind of turns sideways and we see that she's pregnant. And she tells Gabby that the divorce will be finalized soon. And Mickey already has a new girlfriend, which I think Francine seemed kind of happy or maybe even relieved that he had something else going on. And she was like, great, now I can move on. However, For sure. however, it doesn't really work out that way. Because mm-hmm. next she's at the hospital and she's had a girl that she's going to name Nicole and Mickey's parents visit. And oh. yeah, and they are like, He's changed so much. He's a new man. You have to get back together with him. And they're really pressuring her to get back with him. And it, it's just really sad because this poor woman, this whole movie, and there's so many things that are true, is just trying to get away to be safe and be safe for her kids. And everybody along the way, including her, what should be her biggest support systems, are not really, are kind of failing her. They have Pretty failed much. her. Yeah. Yeah. So Mickey arrives to Francine's new place because he wants to visit the kids. He asks her to get back together. And then we find out now that the divorce has been finalized because now this scene, it looks like it's spring or summertime. Francine, yeah. And when she's pregnant, she was, it was the wintertime. So Francine says, Mickey, it's over. And, and he's really pissed and he leaves. So in the next scene, Francine arrives at the hospital with the kids and she's kind of like running through the hallway with the children. And She meets up with Mickey's parents and they explain to her that he had a very, very bad car accident. He's been badly hurt. He's going into emergency surgery and they even had to like bring in a specialist from somewhere else to do the surgery on him. So Francine, being a really good person, stays with Mickey at the hospital while he's there. Mm -hmm. Now it's the spring of 1971 and Francine moves into the house next door to Mickey and his parents during his recovery, which may have been a house they lived in previous to that. Again, it's so confusing because they move so much in this movie. And Gabby tells her, I wish he would die because that's the only way you're going to get rid of him. And she's kind of like, well, once he's better, I'm going to leave. And I think she, she's hopeful that that will happen actually. So she's outside, Francine's outside putting clothes on the line and Mickey calls her like you can hear him from inside yelling for her. And she's like, kids, go see what your dad wants. Mickey's mom says he wants Francine to change his dressing. So Francine comes over and says, change it yourself. And then she tells Francine's mom to stop babying him. And she's like, he's been home a month and he should be up and walking around. And that kind of makes everybody upset. Francine tells his mom that she's tired from taking care of the three kids and him. And then what happens next? He basically says, well, I'm going to start walking. He walks over to Francine's house, moves in and just refuses to leave. He's there now. And then he's like, well, let's get married. And she's like, no, we're not getting married again. And when she refuses, he puts his hand on her throat and he throws her across the room. She sends the kids to get Mickey's mom, but he throws her against a mirror and she goes running out of the house. So what she does when this happens, apparently we find out later that this is not an uncommon occurrence. And she runs over to Mickey's family's house, parents and hides in a closet. So she's locked herself in the closet at at Mickey's mom's house. And as she's locking, as she's closing the door, you see there's kind of a blood swipe on the front of the door. And you kind of see like what, feet under the door and the door slowly opens and it's a police officer yay yay Francine's finally going to get some solace but no 
don't be so quick to think that that's going to happen. Right. And, You're and, so pretty. And quite honestly, if it weren't for Francine Hughes' situation, things might never have changed, quite honestly. Yeah. The police right. officer literally says to her, we can't arrest Nikki because we didn't see anything, which mm-hmm. I think is the biggest pile of shit I've ever heard. How? So, so people are not getting arrested for murder because you didn't see the murder? No, that's not how that works. Right. And, and the, the blood that you see on the door frame outside of the closet that I'm hiding in, that's not anything real or a sign of any injury taking place, whatever. Or, or why don't you just ask the children who are traumatized over and over and over again by witnessing the brutality that their yep. father in, puts on the mother? It's so sad. So he's like, well, just go to the prosecutor's office tomorrow and just swear out a complaint. Mm-hmm. That sounds. Yeah. So later, Francie's laying in bed. It's dark, and a car pulls up. We see like the headlights. The headlights turn off. We hear footprints, footsteps. Someone comes in the house, and then Mickey comes in, and he's drunk. She's trying to pretend to be asleep, and he's like, he apologizes, and then he threatens. She threatens to leave, and he says, "You're not going anywhere, and wherever you go, I'm going to find you, and and the children will have no mother." Mm. so okay. uh, now she's meeting with her lawyer again so we're back in jail after mickey dies and he's like i can't find a precedent where you can plead self-defense because mickey's asleep so the, the he's worried that if she says i did it because i was defending myself because she literally wasn't in that exact moment mm-hmm. he's afraid she's going to get convicted so what he decides to do is have her plead not guilty by reason of insanity and then try to prove what we now call better women's syndrome. But it really wasn't like a phrase that we used a lot at that time. During my research, I found that there was a psychiatrist, I believe, that did call it battered women's syndrome prior to this happening, but it just wasn't a phrase or, or a concept that was used. Like today we would say it, but back then it just wasn't used. Okay. It wasn't in our vernacular at the time. Okay. In a voiceover that now Francine tells us it's 1976 and that the next couple of years with Mickey actually were, were quite good. She says she's applied to college. Mickey's fully recovered from his accident. The kids are older, so things for her are getting easier. And then Francine gets a check in the mail and it's a check mm-hmm. so she can pay for business. It must be like her student loan kind of check so she can go to business school. And then Mickey says, you can't, you can't go. But she's like, you know what? I'm going. I, yep. I love, I love, and she ended up loving it. And there's some scenes there where they show her in school and she just seems really happy and lovely and, and has yep. made some friends there and was doing well. So in another voiceover, Francine tells us she tried to leave after he was abusing her one night, but he sabotaged the car so she couldn't leave. And then again, we hear him abusing her and the kids are in the house. We don't see it. I'm not even sure which hurt me more was watch, watching the scenes where he's actually abusing her or the scenes where you're listening to it. It's, yeah. This, the writing in this movie is so tight. It's, yeah. it's so good. It's, but it's, it's great writing. It, it's so yeah. sad because I really felt affected. It was very difficult to watch. It's pretty awful. And I would, I would guess true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So the police arrive as now he's actually beating Francine outside. 
So they pull him off of her, and then Mickey's parents show up to try and pull the police off of Mickey. Yeah. They don't arrest her, even though they've witnessed it now. Now they've actually pulled Mickey off of her. They still refuse to arrest him. So later, she's talking to his parents and his brother in their kitchen, and she's saying, this has been going on too long, and I need your help. Mickey's mom blames the the accident and says, well, he just hasn't been the same since. Francine wants Mickey to go somewhere to get help. help. Francine's dad refuses, and he leaves, and we find out that he actually leaves for a couple of months or something like that, the dad. They don't show it because he's not really in the movie that much. And then they say he comes back eventually and everything goes back to the way it was. And in yet another voiceover, Francine now says that she knew then that she was on her own. And she went to the prosecutor's office, but the prosecutor basically tells her that Mickey's on probation and then tells her, well, if there's more trouble, then then come back. But there's really nothing we can do because they don't say why Mickey is on probation, but apparently he is for some such thing we we just don't know on the phone francine tell tells whoever she's talking to that she needs protection and is afraid to go back home because she believes mickey is going to kill her let's take a break and listen well he's home right now i'm afraid to even go there pick it up a couple of days Okay, so Francine goes to her mom's house and asks for help. So Mickey now, of course, shows up at Francine's mom's and demands to be let in. Francine calls the police. He refuses to leave, and Francine's mom tells him to give or tells Francine to give Mickey the kids because he's not going to hurt them. They'll be taken care of. So he takes the kids and he leaves. Now, in the morning, Francine, she leaves her mom to go get some help. So she speaks to a woman who tells her that she's going to have to leave the area. Yeah, they don't really make clear who all these people are. And I think they do that on purpose because it doesn't matter. None of them are helping her anyway. Right. So now she's at the welfare office, Francine, and a woman there explains that there isn't anything that she can do, but recommends that Francine get a peace bond against him, which I'm I'm guessing is the same as a restraining order. That's kind of what I thought. And then they can arrest Mickey after he beats her the next time. Uh And she explains to Francine that they could prosecute her for welfare fraud if they find out that mickey is living with her can you believe that she goes for help and they're like well we can't really help you but if he's living there we're gonna send you to jail for welfare fraud yeah yeah how about my husband this ex-husband won't leave he literally refuses to leave and he's beating me okay oh just it's infuriating right and she's been out asking for help for so long and it's not coming so all right now we've got mickey calling francine repeatedly and he later arrives at her mom's house with the kids mickey tells her that he quit drinking he's going to church he tells her he abused her because of the drinking and francine tells him that as soon as she gets a job she's getting the kids back but she will not come back to him so good girl yeah, good girl. Right. Now we're at the trial. Francine's and I will trial. say, you know where I stand. I hate the trials. I hate the trials in the TV movies. I hate the trials in the book, books that I read. But this one was short and sweet. And I thought it was very impactful. 
Yeah, yeah. I think I feel like they pieced everything together so well in this movie. The, the flashbacks, flash forwards, the trial, the the history. All right. So the trial begins and we find out that Francine's two oldest children are going to be testifying for the prosecution. Mm. All right. Now, the defense asks a police officer why he did nothing when he overheard Mickey threatening to kill Francine. He said he didn't think Mickey was serious. Oh, and, and, you know, and, and you know, and remember what he said, Case? He said, yep. well, he didn't. He threatened me, but he didn't do it. So I just didn't think. Oh, right. yeah. And that. OK, so are you bloodied and beaten every day, too? You, what a jerk. Well, and you're in a uniform and you're carrying a gun. So uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Then Mickey's mom testifies for that prosecution. Ooh, that was a hard <laughs> word to say. And she lies, testifying that she never saw Mickey abuse Francine. She admitted that Francine would hide in her house, but she thought that they were fighting or playing games. Playing games. She thought I, they were playing games. I had to look this actress up because I was just like, I hate you so much. Right. And I think... That really, why I hate her so much is that I remember seeing this movie and I hated how she protected her son and lied yeah. for him. So I think that that's, I mean, good casting. Uh, what what else part. was she in? Do you remember? Because I've seen her before too. I feel like she's played other villains. He was in Twin her. Peaks. Okay. That's probably what you remember okay. her from. Yeah. yeah. All right. So basically though, we have the defense kind of like tearing apart her, the mom's testimony. So then we've got Christy. This is, remember, this is Francine and Mickey's oldest child. She testifies that her dad called Francine a whore and a bitch. She mm. says her mom was beat up by her dad too many times to count. And Francine is just crying during her daughter's testimony. And she also testifies that she does not miss her father. Now we've got Francine testifying about the abuse the abuse that she suffered over the years and how fearful she was of Mickey. Francine came to believe that Mickey would eventually kill her and nobody helped her. Francine testifies about the fact that Mickey demanded she quit school. He beat her and choked her when she refused. She testifies that after thinking about all the abuse and having quit school, she felt he would eventually kill her and that her life with Mickey was too difficult to endure. So she decides to leave, but feels like she cannot escape him. Remember, she has left and left and left and left and left. So she's, now, she's right. He, he would have killed her eventually. Absolutely. He would have killed her eventually. Yep. So we're back to another flashback where Francine is outside. She gets a gas can and dumps gas all over now in the bedroom. Mickey is asleep on the bed. The scene cuts to what we saw at the very beginning of the movie, where we see the bedroom explode and Francine drive off. She testifies to everything that happened, and she tells her lawyer she did not premeditate the murder, but she was running for her life. And the movie ends with Francine being found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity and she hugs her kids and her mom comes over to hug Francine as well and honestly it was one of the like the best so that picture at the end of that movie where they kind of fade out like they freeze it and they fade out like if you look at Farah's face in that she is Francine she is this abused woman who's I don't want to say gotten away with or gotten 
off, but who was found not guilty of premeditated murder of the man who had been abusing her for all of, you know, all the time that she knew him. So agreed. There you go, Beth. That's uh, the movie. We don't normally say you need to watch the movie, but this was a great movie and you Mm -hmm. should watch it. And I think it's really, it's really held up against the test of time. For sure. Absolutely. And there wasn't a minute that I was not riveted by this movie. It's so powerful. And I think they should just replay this every year. Just like, you know, Mm -hmm. because it really is. And I think it so truly shows how desperate women were abused, abused women were and how stuck they felt until at least this moment. So I just think it's, it's such a good, like I said, the writing is so good. And I think that's why, because Farrah Fawcett is an amazing, amazing actress. Paula Matt, they all were. The casting is unbelievable. Yes. Yes. The the guy who played her lawyer, I remember him from, he was in One Day at a Time. Remember he played Barbara's boyfriend or something. He was also abuser in that movie, Ain't Fallen Angel. So I get like a queasiness in my belly from him. So I hate that I do, but also that speaks to what an amazing actor he is. Yes, I agree. So, I agree. Yes. Yeah, he he is a good, the acting is just outstanding all the way around. The, the casting was so good. The writing yep. is so good. It's, it's a good movie. So last case, we haven't done this segment in so long. The Real Murders of the Made for TV Movie Club. Yes. Since maybe last summer, since we did um, Dorothy Stratton, I think. It's been that long. I, yeah, I agree. So The Burning Bed was based on a book by Faith McNulty that came out. It was published in 1980, the book was. Okay. Born in 1947, Francine Hughes grew up with an alcoholic abusive father in Stockbridge, Michigan. They don't say that in the movie, but you kind of can infer that based on the mom's reactions to her when she comes home and is like, mom, I need you. And she's like, well, this is the way it is. So I think the mom was also suffering from battered women's syndrome and and just didn't really know how to help her. Honestly, I, I have to say that I, I had a little empathy for the mother in this movie after I read that. Not a yep. lot, but a little bit. I mean, I understood where she was coming from. So Agreed. Francine married James Mickey Hughes when she was 16. So she did end up quitting high school. And they ended mm-hmm. up having four children together. So there are only three children in the movie. But the night the incident one of the children was actually at a friend's house. So they weren't, they weren't even home when that happened. And that may okay. be why they just had the three kids. It, it would, it's difficult when you have to keep writing more and more characters. But so for the next 13 years after she got married, he abused alcohol and Francine. She divorced him in 1971, but he refused to move out. When he had a near fatal car accident, she nursed him back to health and once healthy, the abuse began again, and then just it just continued to escalate. March 9th, 1977, Francine came home from school. She was in, enrolled in secretarial school. Mickey was drunk, and he was irate, and he refused to allow her to cook for the kids. He demanded she quit school and burn her books and her notebooks. Once asleep, she told the children to go wait in the car, and again, one of the children wasn't home, so they were at a friend's. She dumped gasoline on and around the bed, lit it on fire, and left the home. I actually read in my research, again, everything that I'm telling you is in the show notes, so you can go back and read and read all these articles for yourself, but I did read that when she started the fire, there was a little bit of um, like a flash thing that happened, and she was worried that she actually was going to get started on fire, too. 
because okay. of the way the gasoline lit up. I guess she didn't know how it was going to do that. I don't really know how it works, but she said she was scared that she was actually she had actually was going to get stuck in the room with with the explosion because the fumes actually burn in gasoline yeah, as well, so that's not what just the liquid. Yeah, yeah. So she probably like maybe was in the like standing in the doorway, lit it, mm-hmm. and didn't expect it to kind of explode the way it did. Yeah. Um, so Mickey was asleep, and so her lawyer really didn't think she could use self-defense at the trial. So he decided on the guilt, not guilty by reason of insanity. She was later found not guilty by a jury of 10 women and two men, which I actually think is fairly progressive that they actually had 10 women. Mm -hmm. I I agree. I I like that. So the New Yorker calls Hughes's case groundbreaking. The assistant prosecutor, Lee Atkinson, says that at the time, police officers would not arrest someone for a misdemeanor unless they saw the crime committed. For Hughes, this policy meant that the police came to her house repeatedly, but did not arrest Mickey. They report that Hughes's case initiated a sea of change, forcing a long suppressed conversation about domestic violence in America. And again, it really did. I mean, it changed the way that we look at abused women in this country. I mean, it's so different than it used to be. And and that's why I think this was such a defining moment for that and because it was really one of, I think it was her, Farrah Fawcett did do one other TV movie before this, but it didn't have the same impact. Okay. And so here's a little bit of a happy ending, which I kind of was really happy to hear about this. She later became a nurse. She ended up remarrying to, a, yeah. I guess, her, a country singer, right? Her husband was a, a musician. She did pass away in 2017. And when she passed, she had 10 grandkids and three great grandkids. So I was kind of happy to read that. She kind of moved into a kind of a quiet life where people didn't know in the end, from what I read, people didn't really even know that she was the person who was behind the story. So I really like that. I really like to hear that at least she had a happy ending because she really deserved it. It's for sure. Such a sad, sad story. So for sure. case, next time. All right. So I got to tell you this story. I think I told you at least texted you part of this. I was talking to someone who was a little bit older than me, maybe 10 years, like a couple of weeks ago. And she was like, oh, my grandson had Dungeons and Dragons cards, but he was hiding them from his dad because the dad was upset because something about the devil. I don't really know, but you know, yeah. kind of that whole 80s thing. So I got to thinking, wasn't there a movie about Dungeons? See, it's so funny because when people in the 80s used to play Dungeons and Dragons or dress up, we used to call them freaks. Today it's cosplaying. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like today it's embraced and back then it, it is. was not. And I just, it is. And also, I am pretty sure I've never played Dungeons and Dragons only because I think it actually looks like fun, but it's way too complicated for me. Yeah. I've watched friends play, but I've yes. checked out. Yes. Yeah. To me, it seemed like too complicated of a game. And I yep. just don't have the, I just can't can't play a game that could last months or years. I mean, Monopoly drives me crazy. I can't even play a game for two hours. So, but I, I, <laughs> but I really honestly don't think that there's any Satanism involved in Dungeons and Dragons. But in the mm-hmm. 80s, that everything was like that. We had that satanic panic, which made yep. no fucking sense in the world. But mm-hmm. born of that came a movie called Mazes and Monsters starring Yay. Tom fucking Hanks. 
Yes, oh. our favorite bosom buddy. Actually, so, Peter, we like you as well. So I know. I like I loved bosom buddies. I thought that was such a cute show. I don't know if it would hold up today, but you know, probably not because of um we know a lot more about dressing up and all that stuff. But anyway, I did see it and I remember being very confused by it. That's all I remember about it. So I'm super psyched to watch it and do it. But I was like, you know what? Since we're like back in the 80s we've got to pick another 80s movie and this is what i decided yes and so i'm super psyched so anyway me too next time it'll be it'll be fun it'll be very fun yeah. well do you have a favorite tv movie from the 70s 80s or 90s you'd like us to review let us know let us you know. can find us on our socials we're on facebook at made for tv movie club podcast on twitter at tv movie club pod one and on instagram at made underscore four underscore tv underscore movie underscore club or give the hashtag m f t v m c podcast to google and you'll find us you can listen to us on all of your favorite podcast channels including anchor Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. I'm reading this I, off my phone. No, it's I know so that small. I, I, I've got I, it held really far away. I have. Uh, I added Podbean because now we're on Podbean. So yay! Yeah. If you love us as much as we love you, give us a five star review on Apple Do Podcasts it. or Facebook, and tell your friends about us. Do it. Until next time, we'll see you right here. In, in the, the clubhouse. Club